I think it's ineffective to operate as a perfectionist. And so when you're trying to organize your home, it is easy to be like, no, I got to finish this. It's got to be complete. It's got to be perfect and exactly how I want it. But that's kind of impossible. You're going to just spend so much time in one area and then you don't get anything else done. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In part three of our Results Not Resolution series, we sit down with author and entrepreneur Crystal Escobar, who says we cannot live our life based on shoulds. Hey there, this is Patrice from PatriceWashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to the Redefining Wealth podcast, where we believe that wealth is more than money and material possessions. We truly believe in the original definition of wealth, which is well-being, and we base it on six foundational pillars. If you are new here, you want to go back to the very beginning and check out what those pillars represent. But this week, part three of the Results Not Resolution series, we're talking about the space pillar. And as you know, for my OG listeners and purpose chasers out there, the space pillar is all about setting up your life to support you. And I really enjoyed this conversation with Crystal Escobar because at the heart of it, what I took away is that I just no longer want to be a person who lives my life based on shoulds. What I should be doing, what other people say that I should be doing, what I believe because I made up some story in my mind about what I should be doing. And we got into a really great conversation about that because I really think that many of us don't have our lives set up to support us because we're trying to manage the expectations of others. And I really think that, especially if you're a mom and a wife, a woman in particular, who's trying to juggle different hats and different expectations that others may be putting on you, or really just for anyone, because I know we have some wonderful men that listen to the podcast and we all are multidimensional. Like we all are wearing different hats, different roles, different responsibilities. And so it can be really trying to really whittle things down to exactly what you really want. Many of us do things on automatic and we don't even know why. And so as we talk about who we want to become in this season, I hope that there is something you will take away from this excellent conversation with Crystal Escobar. Crystal is the forthcoming author of the book, My Life as a Wannabe Balanced Mom. When she first became a mom, she had a hard time figuring out the balance between being there for her kids and being there for herself. It's the ultimate mom dilemma. Am I a good mom if I have passions and interests outside of motherhood? I know that so many of you can relate. I know that I can relate. And without further ado, here is Crystal Escobar. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Crystal. Thank you, Patrice. I'm so excited to be here. I love your podcast. It's amazing. Oh, thank you so much. And I love your YouTube videos in particular. That's how I found you. Oh, um, thanks. I was looking at makeovers for like a preteen. My daughter is 11 going on 32, but definitely... <laughs> Definitely moving out of the little girl room space and we ran across your video and I just fell in love with your personality. I just felt like, wow, she just seems so free 
to be her. And then I checked out that it was want to be balanced. And I got so intrigued and just watched a few videos, followed you for a while on Instagram. And so really excited that you said yes. Thank you for making time. Oh yeah, for sure. This will be fun. <laughs> so I want to start by asking Crystal, what is the inspiration for want to be balanced? I was really intrigued by that name. Yeah. Um, it started about eight or nine years ago when I started my blog and I was just a new mom and I had so many passions and, and things I wanted to do, but I felt like as a mom, I'm not supposed to, I can't, you know, I'm supposed to just focus a hundred percent of my time on my kids. And so I kind of felt torn, but then I decided, well, I'm just going to do it anyway, because I feel, I feel I need to do these things. I can't wait till my kids are grown to start pursuing all these different passions. So I just made it a goal to try to, to maintain a healthy balance between being a mom and at the same time pursuing my passion. So I wanted to make it clear that I am not the balanced expert. So I thought, well, I'm just going to call myself the wannabe balance because <laughs> I'm definitely still trying to balance things, but it's a high priority for me to to try to balance things well so that I have no regrets when my kids are older and I won't look back on these years thinking, oh man, I wish I would have spent more time with them. So I just try to have a healthy balance between my passions and still being there for my kids. I love that. I love that because, you know, we live in a society where people really want to make you feel like it has to be either or. Yes. Now, sure. like for so long, people would tell me stuff like, how are you going to do all that traveling and you have a child? How are you going to do all that speaking? You know, who's watching your kid when you're writing books? I'm like, what? Why yeah. is that even a thing? I, I feel like just as much as I'm called to be Reagan's mom, I am also called to be the money maven or, you know, the host of the Redefining Wealth podcast or personality or whatever people want to call me. I'm called to do all those things and pursue things that make me happy. <laughs> like, Yeah, exactly. I think there is a lot of shame around it and I don't really understand where it stems. For me, it felt like it was from my religion that made me feel like, no, like I'm not supposed to do anything else. My, my role is in the home, but I just kind of just didn't feel right about that. And I just feel so passionate now about the importance of moms taking the time to do what they're passionate about. And I think it is possible to find that healthy balance between the two. You can still be there for your kids and still pursue your passions. And it's just a matter of remembering that your kids see you, they see your example. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's an important thing to remember that everything that you're pursuing, your kids can see that. And that's one way to teach them. Yeah, is to is to lead by example, not just by telling mm -hmm. them. I learned a term years ago too that I really adopted because to your point, I'm wanna be balanced, right? I think many of us are. We're we're wanna be. Yeah. And I learned a term many years ago about harmony. And I don't remember who was talking about it, but essentially they said harmony is an upgrade to balance because harmony refers not to that middle ground. It's like the integration of both. And yeah. that set me free because I'm like, when I can incorporate my daughter into my work, I do. When I can take her to things, I do. If I can put her on a plane and take her with me to go speaking somewhere, I do that as much as possible. When I can involve her just by, you know, looking over my shoulder and explaining to her why I'm doing this or 
why I was passionate about launching a mastermind and what I want to create for the women. I see that start to brew in her because she'll start to like come up with her own ideas. And mom, what if I sold ocean breeze scent candles? (laughs) She she just starts (laughs) like when I was launching a candle line, she just started this whole, what if I did? And, you know, but that's what I love, especially as a mom of a girl. I want to see her understand that I can, you know, she can be a mom one day if that's what she chooses to do and still maintain a sense of self. Yes. And I like what you said, how you try to include her as much as possible. I, I really think that that is essential. Like our kids can have a lot of memories of us just working on our computers, not knowing what we're doing. So I have too been trying to make an effort of anytime my kids come in and I'm working on my computer, I tell them what I'm working on and just include them in that way so that they they understand that they may just think that I'm playing video games, like doing things that they like to do on the computer, but I want them to know what I'm doing. Just like a few months ago, my son came in and I was like, oh, I'm writing my book. And it was so cute because like you, it, it inspired him and he's like, oh, I want to write a book. And he started like working on writing a book. And it was just, it's just important that they know what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing that I really, you have four kids, right? Yeah. Ooh, that's amazing. So the thing that I really liked, I found a video of you, your husband had taken your kids off for the weekend and you used the weekend to organize your entire home. And I was like, oh my gosh, what does she mean the entire home? I mean, you did garage, kitchen, closets, like all kind of stuff. First of all, this is for the space pillar, your interview. And it's really about, sometimes that can be a challenge with one. I'm trying to understand how you have learned to even keep it together with four. Or do you even care to try to quote unquote, keep it together? Like, what does that look like for you at this point? Oh, yeah. Well, I have definitely evolved in my understanding around balance and I used to feel like, okay, I'm, it, it was more about a to-do list and balancing out my to-do list between mind, body, and soul, you know, and spending time with my kids and, and in that sense. But now balance to me is more a state of mind. And so I'm not so concerned about all the things that I can get done in one day. I am focusing more on my thoughts and, and how I see the world. And if I'm focusing on all the different spaces in my home that are not organized, then I'm stressed out and I'm frustrated. And so I've had to, I've been forced to accept that my house is not going to be 100% organized all the time. And it's just, that's just the way it is with kids. It's just not possible. So I wouldn't trade that for anything. So I just have to accept that having kids means you have a really unorganized and oftentimes messy home. So I've had to let all those expectations go, but still I love organizing. So if I could spend an entire day organizing, I would do it. So that was like such a treat for my husband to take all the kids and I could just focus on organizing the home. And it was just so refreshing for me to get to do that without any interruptions, but it doesn't last long. (laughs) They come home and the house is, the garage is messy again. And, you know, so I just, I just have to go with it. I have to go with the flow and just appreciate that I have kids. And and it was interesting too, when they were away, the first day was amazing and I was so excited. And then the second day I was like, it's too quiet in here. (laughs) Like I loved and appreciated how clean it was, but 
I was like, gosh, I really miss them already, you know? So it really does put things into perspective. You know, I'd much rather have my kids there than have a perfectly clean, organized home. (laughs) So, but you work from home, right? Yeah. And so does my husband. So we've just been, it's always us at home. And that was another thing is that I would be frustrated with my husband because I'm like, he would leave dishes or his shoes or jackets. And I'm like, I'm cleaning up after my husband too. So I had to learn to let that go as well. And just appreciate that I get to see him and I get to, we get to work together and he gets to work from home. So it's all a matter of shifting your mindset and your thoughts around different things. Otherwise you can just go about your day being really frustrated as a mom. Wow. So really about staying in gratitude because of what that represents, right? Like, yes, this is not the neatest space, but wow, I'm blessed to have children (laughs) that I love who bring me joy. Like I struggle with that. I am not going to lie. I am. Well, first of all, my husband is a neat freak. So that's nice. (laughs) Like my daughter and I have to tiptoe around him and then I'm the next in line. (laughs) Like I am... I like things to be orderly and I'm one of those people I work from home too. And it's like, I can be in my last house all the way upstairs on the other side of the house in my office. And for some reason, if I knew there were dishes in the sink, it would irk me. I'm like, what is wrong with me? I cannot even see those dishes from here, you know, but it was like, let me just do it. And so I find though, and you can tell me about this for yourself. I find that if nothing else, my workspace though, has to be clutter-free. I'm not really great with being able to stay focused on what I have in front of me in terms of a task if there's too much stuff piled up around me. So I know where the kids' areas are. You kind of have to just kind of like toss it to the wind and hope for the best. How are you with like your actual workspace though? Like where you're recording this podcast right now? This isn't where I work all the time. It's just the only place I could set up my podcast. So I only use this room for recording podcasts, Mm -hmm. but I do definitely, I'm like you, I have to have a neat space in order for the creativity to flow and for me to feel at peace as I work on different things. So every time I'm ready to get started on a project or working, I definitely have to make sure my space is neat and organized I light a candle. I really set the mood. Me too. I think too. it's important to do that. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's just important to have, when you're trying to be creative, I do think that you have to have a space that is neat and organized. Otherwise you're cluttering up your mind as well. And there's, that's no space to be creative. Yeah, I do that too. I have this thing about setting the mood. I yeah. had a podcast episode called, Are You in a Money Making Space? And I was talking about one, whatever, whatever you use. So you could be in a cubicle right now or an office in a, you know, your own office in somebody's building somewhere or your home office or your kitchen table. But whatever space you use to really create any of those money making ideas in particular or pursuing those passions, those things that really give you joy. I am such a fan of like setting the mood lighting candles, making sure it smells good, feels good. It's organized. I have the tools that I need for that project right there in front of me because I think that you talked about this on a podcast episode. I feel like when it's cluttered in a space, Crystal, and I need to work, it pushes me into this zone of like trying to multitask. Yeah. It's like my mind darts all over the place. And now I'm trying to do too many different things, but really not getting anything in particular done at the best of my capabilities versus 
if I was organized and set up, if my, my workspace was set up to support me, I could get laser focused and get one thing done and it'd be freaking amazing <laughs> at the end. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I read the book called The One Thing. I can't even remember who the author is now, but it clarified to me how ineffective multitasking is and that we think that as moms that we're effective because that's like we pride ourselves in being able to multitask. But what I've learned and all the studies that have been coming out, they've realized that we're not as effective as we think we are when we're trying to do two or more things at once because your brain has to, can really only focus on one thing at one time. So you're just constantly having to shift from one thing to another. And it, there's always a, a moment of time that is required for your brain to get back into the zone of whatever it was that you were working on. So you're actually spending more time getting projects done if you're trying to do more than one project at a time. Yeah. On one of your videos, I think it was the one where you did the cleaning in a weekend. I think you were in the garage and you were like, well, I did the most that I could because I my time was up and I needed to move on. I was curious, do you yeah. use like a timer when you're doing different tasks or when you're cleaning up or doing whatever? Because my husband and I like to do what we call the cleaning blitz where yeah. we'll set a timer, even if it's 15 minutes and it's like, okay, 15 minutes, let's get this family room situation together and we just go until the timer goes and we do the best we can and then we move on to the kitchen or to other areas. How do you manage that type of stuff? Yeah, I definitely love timers and I use timers a lot because I think it's ineffective to operate as a perfectionist. And so when you're trying to organize your home, it is easy to be like, no, I got to finish this. It's got to be complete. It's got to be perfect and exactly how I want it. But that's kind of impossible. You're going to just spend so much time in one area and then you don't get anything else done. So like that weekend, I knew I only had two days. So I was like, well, I want to get as much done as possible. I don't want to just end the weekend with just organizing my garage because I could have spent the entire weekend organizing my garage. So I gave myself a couple hours to do the garage. And then I told myself, I got to move on to a different part of the house. So it's not exactly how I wanted it to be, but it was enough to make me feel good when I walked into the garage and, you know, it looks a lot better than what it was. And I can feel good about that. So yeah, I think a timer is, is essential. And I do timer lists all the time and it all comes down to balance as well. Like I'll do 30 minutes of reading and educating myself. Then I'll do like 30 minutes spending time with my kids, go read a book with them or play a game with them. And then I'll do 30 minutes of cleaning the house. So I love like a 30 minute list where I just kind of alternate between three or four things that are important to me that I want to do throughout the day. And maybe that's more of a, an ADD kind of personality where I can't just like focus on one thing at a time or for too long because, but I, I, I feel good doing that. It works for me to just be like, okay, just 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there. And then I feel like I've accomplished a lot. I feel like I've had a good balance. You know, I'm not overly consumed with my projects because I'm making sure that I take the time to go um, be around my kids and pay attention to them. And it feels like it's, you know, throughout the day. So I'm not just working for a certain amount of hours. And then I go spend time with my kids. I just feel like it kind of flows better that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I learned from one of our podcast guests, Sharon Beeson, she was talking about like assigning priorities 
to different tasks that you have to do. And then that determines how long they take on your calendar. So to your point, look, I'm not going to fold laundry forever. And I, I heard on one of your podcasts, you were like, I've just decided I don't fold laundry. I'm with you, girl. I'm next. Yeah. I'm next in line. I didn't for years. I don't know how I got back here. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I'm not going to spend all day folding laundry. I'm going to give it 15 minutes and whatever gets folded is folded. And if your stuff did not make the folded pile, then get to it. A husband, child, when you get home, like, you know, it's like, yeah. that's not high on the priority list. I'll give two hours to like an actual work project. And then I may mm-hmm. you know, give 15, 20 minutes to playing outside with my dog during the middle of the day, because it also helps me just get a break and fresh air and all those things. But I've become much better about my work tasks, like usually depending on what it is, chunking that into like two hour blocks. And then everything else is like a 15 or 30 minute thing. And that has really helped me not, it's helped me become okay with B minus work. (laughs) And I heard Brooke Brooke Castillo say that too, right? Like the B, the being okay with B minus work in certain areas. Obviously my child is not a B minus effort, right? Like I want to give her great effort, but then some of these things that are just not as important, I want it to be tidy, but I'm also not so committed to making some things so spick and span that I miss out on working on the things that matter. And that's like either the time I spend with my family or the time that I contribute to my business, which, you know, provides for my family. So those are the things where I'm going to go for A pluses every time in my faith as well. I'm going to go for the A in my faith. But some of these other things are like a B will do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree with that. So I heard your husband say on your podcast that you grew up poor and actually moved 31 times as a kid. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to talk to you about that because you do have this, your home is beautiful, right? And you have this emphasis on organizing, accepting that with kids, it's not going to stay organized, but you still like to do it. And you love makeovers and redoing things. And I can imagine that growing up that way means that you never had possibly a real space of your own. And I made an assumption there. I don't know if that's true, but I felt connected to it. Not because I moved so many times. I didn't. I grew up in the same apartment, but we had so many people in and out, uncles, aunts, cousins, who had like just so many people in and out that I never felt like I had a space of my own. And so now I'm super particular about my space, about how it's organized, paint colors, the way it's decorated. I just wanted to see if there was a, if you ever noticed a connection between that, or do you think that's why your, you know, your children's rooms and yeah, workspace I mean, is so pretty? I never thought of it that way, but maybe, maybe that is, has something to do with it. And, or maybe it's just something that I've always loved because even though we were always moving and I oftentimes had to share a bedroom with a sibling I figured out a way to create my own space within that space. And Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the process of doing it. I I remember growing up, I always wanted to organize my room. I always wanted to keep it neat. But my sister, the one that I had to share the room with the most growing up, she was the opposite of me. She didn't mind clutter and a mess. And so it was really frustrating for me to have to, to coexist in the same bedroom with her because she would keep her 
side of the room messy. So what I did in one of the bedrooms, I actually took like one of those plastic bookshelves and I created like a, a divide in the room and I put like a sheet around it. So like it played as a wall. So that way I didn't have to look at her side of the bedroom and get frustrated when I would see the mess everywhere. <laughs> so that's kind of what I do with my kids. And even with my husband, I try to not be frustrated with their lack of excitement around keeping things neat and organized. I just try to do what I can to not have to look at it because, and my daughter, my oldest, she's always, I'm like, go make your bed. And her room is in the basement and nobody ever goes down there. And she's always like, why? Nobody's going to see it. I'm like, it's not about other people seeing it. It's just about how it makes you feel. And maybe she doesn't appreciate it the same way I do. Like when I walk into a room and I see that the bed is made and it looks neat and tidy, I feel good. And it's, mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with showing it off to anybody else, but it, other than how it makes me feel. And so she may not experience the same thing as me. So I just try to explain to her, but doesn't it feel nice when you walk in the room and it's like nice and clean? She's like, no, but I'm like, okay, well then it makes me feel good. So do it for me. Okay. (laughs) I agree. It's funny. Now that you say that, I realized that I I was intentional about creating my own space within the chaos. I remember at one point I had this obsession with Minnie and Mickey and I had saved money and got a poster and this bedspread and I had all the little figurines they used to sell at the Disney store and my like my room was set up but I almost made it uncomfortable for people who wanted to come in like because I feel like once I really had it to what I wanted when my cousins or whoever would come from Belize I'm Central American and when they would come by the time I got into this zone by then I was about 12 or 13 years old it made them second guess how they were going to treat the space, if that makes sense. Because I, mm-hmm. I really believe that once you start to get your space in order and you decide that you want to feel good, right, and you want to treat these things around you well, it kind of forces other people to take a look at how they're going to treat you or it teaches them how to treat you or treat that space. I don't know so much with kids, with your kids, but I feel like that even now that whenever I take care of a space, better. Like if I were to leave my car junkie, I don't, but you know, the few times where it's maybe been out of place, I noticed that people are more apt to like leave their cup or leave a little something behind (laughs) after I drop them off. But if it's really clean and clear, nobody leaves anything. They're like, Oh, let me take my stuff. I'm like, yep, you should (laughs) (laughs) protect my space. Like I realized though, as a kid, my cousins after, after a while, when they would come out and I'm talking stay for months at a time, it started to make them respect the space. I think the more I had it decorated and trying to feel like a real something, they just didn't disrespect it as much anymore. I think that's the lesson I took away from that. So even within the chaos of my home, because my mom and grandma were kind of hoarders, I still would try to like push all that out and like, you guys can do whatever you want in these closets, but in in this space, (laughs) I want it to look nice. Yeah. Tell us about how you have learned to craft a balanced week. I like how you broke that down in one of your podcast episodes. You talked about how you visualize and list and then plan things out. I thought it was really great and hopefully will be something that we can take into this year as we're trying to figure out how to fit all these things in that we want to get done and how to prioritize them. I really liked your system for doing this. 
how do we create a balanced week as we want to get more results and not just set resolutions? Yeah, that's the thing is I used to think in the beginning that I could have a balanced day every day, but I realized that that's impossible. So I've decided that it is more possible to have a balanced week or a balanced month because you may go a few days, you know, where you really have to work on this project and you're not as focused on doing fun activities with your kids. And so I don't think that you should ever feel bad about that because there's you can always make up for that within the rest of the week. So what I do is I try to get, I hire a babysitter to come help me a couple times a week and she helps me entertain the kids. She helps pick up the house and she, and she folds laundry. So I put a lot of value in hiring things out and to delegate a little bit outsource because like you were saying, laundry is just, for me, it doesn't feel like it's doing anything. (laughs) You know, I'm like, other than I could listen to a podcast while I fold some laundry or I could do it with my kids and there's, you can wait, there's ways to be creative around it to where it doesn't feel so mundane and like such a waste of time. But yeah, so I've, I've hired the laundry out because it feels like I To me, that's one thing that I feel doesn't bring me anything. (laughs) I put in my time, like I said in the in the episode, I put in my time for the for the laundry years, and now I'm I'm over it, and I'm going to use that time to do things that are more creative. So yeah, what I do is I just set aside a couple days a week where I really focus on my work, and I have somebody there to entertain the kids, to feed them, to keep the house picked up, and it's it's a lifesaver for me because. I could just work and get things done and multitask in that way and still, you know, take care of my kids. It's possible to not have a babysitter, but I do believe it is important to set aside some time when you are focusing on an important project to to have a certain amount of hours to fully work on it and fully focus on that and not be constantly pulled away because the kids need something or you know, they're hungry or they're fighting or so it is nice to be able to close my door and to know that somebody else is taking care of all that. And so, yes, I do have those days. And then I have the days where I just focus on my family and I set set the phone aside and I don't work on any projects. And so to me, that feels like balance within the week. And so I got, I get my projects done I'm spending time with my kids without any distractions. And then I also spend time organizing throughout the day. I'll, like I said, I'll do like 30 minutes. I'll go organize the pantry or straighten up the garage or vacuum out my car. Just those types of things where I'll put them in throughout sporadically throughout the day. But I do set the timer so that I don't just get carried away because I could easily get carried away on organizing. <laughs> right. You kind of, it's like one of those things. Um, what do they say? Time flies when you're having fun. Like I yeah. really enjoy organizing things so much that I can let hours go by. And it's like, yeah. okay, so now the pantry is perfect. You still don't cook, ma'am. Cause that's <laughs> my thing is like, I'm not a cook, but I like an organized kitchen, you know? <laughs> and like you, you decided that you're done folding laundry. I decided that I'm done with acting like I should have lunch when I don't like to cook. Not like, I know, like right? that the lunch yeah. should magically appear. 
So yeah, I downsized recently, but I used to have someone that was like our, she did everything in our house really, but she was a great cook as well. And so when she left, when I didn't have her anymore, I was like, wait a minute, who's going to make lunch? Like, so every day, you know, around 1231 o'clock when it's like lunchtime, my mind goes, okay, it's time for lunch. I started to get into this place where I would be like, well, what am I going to do? And and it would take so much time thinking about it because it's definitely not something that comes naturally to me. And, yeah. you know, I don't make food with love, Crystal. Like if I make something, it's just so you can eat and hurry up. It's yeah. not. Same here. Yes. It's like as quick as possible with three ingredients because <laughs> I just don't want to make the mess and I just want something to fill my tummy. Yeah. It's like, mm, I don't live to eat. I eat to live. So I posted in my, actually in my private group for the purpose chasers that I was not taking into 2019, this conversation about what am I going to eat every afternoon? So one of the things that I delegated out was like a healthy meal prep delivery service. And oh my gosh, so worth it because it allows me to stay in the flow. You know, I do have time on my calendar for lunch. That is like blocked out because I'm one of those people who would just skip over it and forget if anything was mm-hmm. to fill that space. Mm-hmm. And so, but now it, it really has lessened the anxiety. And one of the things that I love about what you kind of shared too is about not feeling guilty when you can't do all these things or, you know, the shoulds. You know, as a mom, I used to feel like, well, I should be able to cook. I should want to cook. I should be better at this. And the reality is I'm not. I don't like it. And I'm going to stop apologizing for it. I just don't. And the best thing I can do for myself and everyone else is to hire a service that I like, nourish myself (laughs) and, you know, be in the best possible space to continue to do the work that I love to do throughout the day or serve my clients or whatever it is, but stop apologizing for that, you know, for, for not doing or being what, what other people may think I should be or what story I've told myself about what I should be. Yeah, exactly. There is a lot of pressure as a mom. You just feel like you're, you have so many responsibilities and you feel that in order to be an awesome, amazing mom, that you should be doing all of those things. And that includes making meals from scratch. And that was a hard thing for me too, because I would try and I would do it and I would have such a mess to clean up afterwards. And I'd be so frustrated. I'd try to get everyone to sit down at the table and it just, it took up so much time that I just started to be burned out with it. And I'm like, it's just so much easier to do quicker meals or to, I just felt like I just needed to allow myself to not like that and be okay with it and just do it the way that is convenient for me. And, you know, my kids may not appreciate it, but I can't do everything. I can't be the perfect mom. When did you realize though, that you couldn't be the perfect mom? I think when I tried, attempted homeschooling because I really thought, okay, this is it. I am going to, I'm, I'm going to educate them. I'm going to teach them how to cook. I'm going to have healthy meals prepared every day. I'm going to juice for them every day. We're all going to exercise. It, it was like my big goal to raise my kids up knowing everything. And I was going to teach it. I was going to be the one to teach them everything. And I had a lot of pride around that. And I attempted it for a couple of years and I burned out and I realized it does. It takes a village. You can't do it all yourself. And it's, it's okay to 
to delegate some of that stuff. It's okay. Like I would even take on like the music lessons too. I'm like, oh, there's, you know, so many resources online. I could teach them how to play piano or the guitar. And so I was just trying to do everything. And I realized that that's impossible. And I, I had to learn that by burning out. I burned out and it was, it helped me realize that it's not possible and you can't live your life trying to do all that. It's just, it's okay to not do everything for your kids and you can have other people help you with their education, with teaching them different things. And so I just think that it's because I attempted to do it all that that's how I learned that it was not possible and I had to be okay with it. And I'm in a much better place now because I did feel really guilty even deciding not to homeschool anymore. I was like embarrassed that I couldn't cut it. And because I was so passionate about it, I was like, yes, I'm going to do this and it's going to be awesome. We're going to do all, we're going to homeschool every grade. You know, that was my initial goal. And then I lasted only two and a half years and I was embarrassed. And I was like, I guess I can't do it all. So only two and a half years, girl. I don't think I could have made it a semester. Like God bless you. Well, it was only kindergarten and first grade, which is easy to do. So it wasn't like it it started to get harder. Once my oldest hit third grade, I was like, "Uh, this is very, and I had more kids. I only had two kids, but in the process of homeschooling for those two and a half years, I had two more kids. And so it was just like too much. I'm like, this is, I don't know how moms do this and have a clean house, which was important for me to at least have some sanity within the home. I couldn't let my house go completely. I can let a lot of things go, but I couldn't get to that point of not livable. And I think that that's what it would take is just to let it all go. If you wanted to focus on everything else. Oh my gosh. I commend you for that. And even when you say it was only kindergarten and first grade, I don't think at any grade could I imagine homeschooling Reagan and she's an awesome kid. It just, I just didn't feel called. Right. Like, and I know that yeah. you were passionate about it, but I mean, again, I commend you. And I think that was man, two and a half years. I think there's a lot of women probably in their cars right now, listening to this, shaking their head, like girl, good for you. Cause many of us are not able. I learned something too about my kids that they actually do better with a different teacher. Like they would fight me on all of it. You know, they didn't want to do what I told them to do. It wasn't this, how I envisioned it to be like this blissful experience where I get to spend time with my kids and I get to teach them and we get to do art projects and field trips. And that's how I envisioned it. And it was not at all like that. There was a lot of arguing and a lot of frustration on my end because I wanted, I thought that they'd be excited, you know, like they're going to do their work for for an hour, then we're going to do a project, then we're going to go on a field trip, but they would fight me on everything. And I became so frustrated that they didn't want to conform to my schedule and exactly how I had everything planned out. They didn't want that. And what I learned by sending them to public school is that oh, all of a sudden they're, they'll do their work. They'll do their work for their teacher, but for not, not for me. <laughs> so it is sometimes better for different personalities with each child that you realize that personality has a lot. It, it plays a huge role. So if you're, if you're attempting it and it's, there's a lot of arguing and fighting between you, you and your kids, it might be a sign that, you know what, maybe their personality is better off with another adult to, to teach them and to tell them what to do because you, you're telling them what the 
you're telling what the, them what to do all day long. So give them a break. <laughs> Let yeah. somebody else do it for a few hours of the day. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And you know, it's so funny. We have all of these, again, kind of stories we tell ourselves. We envision good or bad, right? So for my daughter, just recently, I was going to see Michelle Obama speak and for her becoming book tour. And I live outside of the city. So I don't live in LA. I live in a suburb. And my daughter was trying out for basketball. And I was like, okay, I want to get there. I want to be there on time. I possibly, you know, want to try to make this meet and greet opportunity and all this stuff. But I also didn't ask anyone to support me with getting my daughter. And I knew that my husband had decided to go out of town that week. And the day came and I was like, oh my gosh. And I didn't get help from my, my mother-in-law or anybody. And I'm like, oh crap, this is going to be cutting it close because LA's traffic is, you know, really intense. And mm-hmm. so I did all this stuff. I wanted her to still be able to try for basketball, but I had all these calls that day and interviews. And I'm like, putting on makeup in between interviews. Like my makeup went through a series of layers. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like between every call, I would go do something else. Like, okay, now I'm gonna do my eyes. Now I'm gonna do this or whatever so that I could be dressed by the last call, go get her, head to the city. Well, I pick her up, we're driving and we're in tons of traffic. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't think, you know, it's gonna be realistic. And my daughter says, mom, Next time you have something like this to do, you really don't need to let me go to basketball tryouts. You know, I would have made it anyway based on my first tryout. And I'm like, what? Yeah. You know, she's like, no, next time, you know, do what you have to do. I'll be fine. Like I could have gone home with a friend and she starts giving me all these options of things that she could have done and people I could have called to support and how I didn't have to basically frustrate myself. And I'm like, First of all, like, <laughs> why do I need all this advice from an 11 year old? I, that's why I'm like, I believe, I know my daughter was sent to help me get my life in order. Yeah. <laughs> but but it, she said it's so matter of fact. And I had all these ideas about how, well, she's trying out for basketball. And of course, after practice, she'll want to talk to me. And so we need to have this time together. This is the age that she's at. And I made up all these stories. And she was like, yeah, we totally could have talked about it in the morning. Like, it really wasn't that serious. And I'm like, you know what? I really have to do better with setting up my life to support me, especially when it comes to navigating around her, because... I've made up all these stories about what her expectations are and they're not necessarily true. And so yeah. we have to let go of this yeah. you know, idea of perfection that we have because we tend to make things harder and more frustrating on ourselves than they really need to be. I know that reminds me of another thing that I do that I think not many um, parents do it this way, but it's been, it's just worked out so well. My son loves soccer and he plays soccer and a lot. And my husband has kind of taken on the role to be at every practice and every game. And for a while we would take all of our kids and I would haul them all there. And it was just really stressful to do that. And that's what all the other families were doing. So I felt pressure like, Oh, I better be there too. I better have all my kids there. And but I just finally decided to let that go and know that my son is totally 
happy and content having his dad there. And Mm -hmm. I don't know much about soccer. I'm not a sport into sports. So I don't appreciate it the way my husband does, but I, I would feel guilty a lot and also be worried about what the other moms were thinking of me for not being at all the games. But I just had to let that go and be like, you know what? Our life is less stressful because I'm not trying to get all my kids to every single one of his games on school nights and on the weekend. And, you know, so we've just decided that it's totally fine to be okay with that. My, My son is happy. My husband is happy to do that. And I'm happy keeping the kids home and doing things at home and not having to haul everybody there for every single game because it causes a lot more stress. So that's something that I had to let go and not feel guilty about and not worry about what other moms are thinking about me for not being there all the time. Yeah. Oh, that's big. Absolutely. Man, I love it. I just love that. Unfortunately, a lot of it comes through so much trial and error. But I think what I'm really taking away from from both of us at this stage is just, you know, you got to set your life up to support you, not set it up based on what other people's expectations are and not even based on your own unrealistic expectations. Because when we first visualize something, it looks full color. It's beautiful. (laughs) Everything goes the way we want it to go. And everyone is like kumbaya and super excited. And it's like the real world. There's traffic. There's crying children. There's mess. There's noise. There's all these things. And so how do we stay in gratitude that we get to have these opportunities, but still set it up in a way that makes us feel at peace with what our decisions are, even if we have to work up to that piece. And so thank you so much. Before I let you go, Crystal, I want to ask you what I call a few redefining wealth, rapid wisdom questions. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you a few things and you just tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. How do you define success? Definitely by being connected to your intuition, following what your intuition is telling you to do, which is like what you talk about, following your purpose and not being driven by the money. It's more being driven by what your purpose is. And the way you can discover what what that is, is by being so connected with your inner being, with God, your intuition through prayer and meditation. Mm, Love it. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Time, freedom. Mm-hmm. Is that one word or two words? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's still less than three, so you're okay. Do you do you okay. want to have a third Time word? Freedom is that was our whole goal, my husband and I, when we started our business, was having the time freedom. Yeah. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? Mm, well, I guess wealth is more about spirituality and kind of what you talk about a lot in your podcast. So mm-hmm. when I think of wealth initially, I think of money, but but really it's not about the money. And so I'm really obsessed with all things spiritual and meditation. And I really do think that that is wealth. And so my favorite book right now is The Seed of the Soul by Gary Zukov. I'm using that right now as a study guide. And I just really want to, and anything from Eckhart Tolle. And I love listening to Oprah as well. (laughs) Love it. Fill in the blank. My name is, and for me, the truth about wealth is, my name is Crystal Escobar. The truth about wealth is more about 
your spirituality and how you are evolving as a spiritual being and following your true passion. And another one of my favorite books is Finding Your Own North Star by Martha Beck. And Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, I would say following your North Star and discovering what that is. Love it. Thank you so much for being here, Crystal. I really appreciate your contribution to the Results Not Resolution series. It's been a pleasure and I will continue laughing with you and at you. <laughs> on your, and my dance moves in my video. <laughs> your dance moves on your bed. They get me every time. Yes, I will continue to enjoy those and just keep cheering for you from the sidelines. Thank you so much for the energy that you put out into the universe. Oh, yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun chatting with you. There we go. What did you think? I'm depending on your feedback here. Make sure that you rate and review this episode. Hit me up in social media. Check out Crystal at Wanna Be Balanced and let us know what you thought. Because I really believe that this is the year. If you're going to get true results and not just keep making resolutions that we have to let go of the expectations that we believe others have on us or the ones that we've made up for ourselves. I really want to become someone who just doesn't live my life based on shoulds. I want to live my life based on what is truly supporting me in this season. What is going to allow me to create the systems to actually achieve my goals, right? What is going to give me the space to be my best self, to go after things with grace and ease instead of adding more stress and struggle and strife. And this is definitely something like the story I told about my daughter and the basketball tryout. Like it's something that I struggle with and not because my family puts these expectations on me, but because most recently I realized that I have a tendency to put these different expectations on me that make things harder than they have to be. And I know that I'm not alone. So I would love to hear from you. I would love to get what your takeaways are. And I would suggest, you know, we did the episode Boundaries Are Necessities some time ago. And I gave this script that was for helping you set up boundaries. And for those of you who have allowed the expectation to almost let other people take advantage of you, and you know that it's time to start setting up some boundaries with others and setting boundaries for yourself, check out that script from Boundaries or Necessities because it talks about apologizing to people for allowing things to go on, allowing them to believe that certain behavior was okay or even that their expectations may be okay. And so I'm thinking of a way to kind of bridge the gap between that episode and this one because I think that To truly set your life up to support you in 2019, it's going to also include setting up boundaries, even though you may have been um, the culprit, (laughs) like you may have been the person who started these expectations from others in the first place. So I hope that's a blessing to you. Super excited about this series. Let me know if the series is blessing you, what you're thinking about it, what you're taking away. Again, if you're a purpose chaser, you know where to meet me in our private Facebook group and let's talk about it. And also, if you haven't subscribed already, please do, because next week I have none other than Monique Coleman. If you see her beautiful face, you're going to recognize her from High School Musical, the phenomenon that was High School Musical. And she's done so much more. And we have such a great conversation next week as we tackle the faith pillar. That's pillar number four of redefining wealth. And I can't wait for you to hear. So until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later.